When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big things on the NFC and AFC championship matchups coming your way from 6th and Peabody, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Um, congratulations to Old Smoky Distillery, the number one most visited distillery in the world for 2021. Nearly 6 million visitors in 2021 that is more hard applause. for me to find that is more than every distillery in scotland combined ah, it's more beat. it's more than every distillery in kentucky and scotland combined it is amazing work that they do and uh, if you haven't visited uh old smoky distilleries by all means uh you can choose from three of them and one of them's right here in music city next time you're visiting nashville make sure you come to sixth and peabody guys uh we, we had a discussion earlier about um, not having Brady or Wa- Rodgers in this game, but still a, a lot to look forward to. Uh, NFC, AFC matchups. Let's start with the Rams and 49ers, the nightcap in this. Contrasting styles. San Francisco, 2-0 and this season. They've won their last six matchups against Sean McVay's team. And the styles, San Francisco has rushed for 2,400 yards this season as a team compared to the Rams who have rushed for just 1900. So this is vastly different in how they distribute the football to their weapons. Elijah Mitchell, he's been their workhorse back. He's back healthy for San Francisco. Don't know about Trent Williams. Trent Williams has mispracticed yet again. So going into the game, what, what's going to happen at at left tackle and how this matchup goes about and moves forward for San Francisco, and then they've got Whitworth on the other end who's back at practice this week for the Rams. So, interesting offensive line play. Stafford closed the regular season with eight interceptions over his last four games. But in the playoffs, he's completed 75% of his passes, and he's not turned the football over. That's the difference in why it, it appears as though this offense is really gelling at the right time, hot at the right time. San Francisco has been the hot team, though, for the last two months of the season, they had to approach everything in playoff mode. Debo Samuel, fair, Debo fair. Samuel, Paul, 273 total yards in the two regular season matchups against L.A. Fair to say that San Francisco is going to be the best defense he's seen in this three-game playoff run as compared to Arizona and the Bucks. It's the best pass rush in front that he would have faced. They, they sacked him 13 times. Um this season, they sacked him five times back in week 18 in that overtime win for San Fran. L.A. got up 17 nothing in that game. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of what it'll be like for him versus them as compared uh, to the Bucs. But they, they got in front of the Bucs pretty quickly, uh, took control of that game and kind of changed what the complexion might have been. Um, I don't know that they'll be able to do that in in this one. And I said he was he was sacked thirteen times. They hit him thirteen times 
in the Week 18 matchup, sacked five times. Yeah, that's a ton. They got after him. Um, on, and then you have Cooper Cup. We, we've been following these stats with him and where he's going to finish in the NFL lore of wide receiver play. So he has put up a stat line. If you combine regular season and postseason numbers all time, he's number one on the list now. He has over 150 catches and 2,000 yards receiving. If you combine regular season, postseason the same year. No receiver's ever done it. And he's got potentially two games left. That's insane that he's accomplishing something we haven't seen before is, uh, is remarkable. I mean, I know what he looks like now, but he's the most likely of all these NFL wide receivers that we've been rattling off earlier in the show to walk into old <laughs> Smokey know, know. unrecognized. I mean, the beard makes him distinct. It's him, it's him or Samuel. Yeah. Walking down the street. And it's... <laughs> It's in part because he's just so good and efficient at his craft and getting to the right spot at the right time, and his feet are elite. You want to talk about receivers' feet being elite? Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup. Yes. It's a, it's a small group that have that type of footwork, but he's also not an Odell Beckham Jr. highlight reel guy. No. So... The natural inclination is for people to be surprised when Cooper Cup is so good and putting up these type of numbers because you don't see these uh, even A.J. Brown level catches that you would see athletically that you see from Odell Beckham Jr., from, from Brown, from other guys in the league. I think that's where he catches people off guard. He was averaging during the regular season nine catches a game and 90 yards a game. Like He was just a guy that was going to – it was like a, a – it was like Henry in his prime this year, where after from like week two until week uh, week seven, week eight, because he, he week trailed eight was off. Injury week. Well, I'm going back before that. Henry wasn't good against Kansas City or or Indianapolis, so it was week seven where he was putting up 150. You know, they rushed for 120, 150, um, and then tailed off against Kansas City and Indy, where he averaged less than three yards a carry. And this past week against Cincy, he trailed off too. He averaged less than what three point one yeah, per 3. carry. 1. Cups the opposite. Like he just he's gonna get his. And the the thing about the Rams now is you've got Odell Beckham and some other options at receiver. You've got Higby in between the twenties. Tyler Higby's excellent at across the middle. Van Jefferson is dinged up. I think he I'm is. not sure if he practiced yesterday or not. I think maybe not. But the 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 yeah, idea that they They've got the – I mentioned yesterday Cam, a- Cam Akers brings that hard-hitting mentality. If he doesn't turn the football over, he brings a little attitude and pop to their offense that they didn't have. That's the, that's the extra addition to it. And then in the AFC, Chiefs and Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs are the first team in league history to host four consecutive championship games. And with a win on Sunday, they will become the fourth team all-time to advance to three or more consecutive Super Bowls. Of course, the Bills are the first team that come to mind there. But L.A.'s right there with them, with a win. We mentioned Andy Reid earlier in the, in the program. He's got a chance to, to tie a record with Tom Landry for the most playoff wins, second most all-time in NFL history with a victory. And then Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's the first quarterback ever drafted number one overall to go to a conference championship game within his first two seasons. How few teams were going to the playoffs in Landry's prime? In the late 70s, what was the playoff format? Was it eight? <clears throat> was it four each? I'm just Six tr- each? I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and find out. It's a good question. 
Because I'm thinking he had he had to have had less opportunity than Reed. Not that Reed wouldn't be in the in the top four, the top six with his teams now, but there are more games in a playoff. Like Derek Jeter was breaking Yogi Berra records. Like Derek Jeter's been in the most playoffs, but he's had he had more rounds of playoffs to play. Well, the in. difference though, you know, we mentioned we compared earlier this week. We compared Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy. Sean Payton's nine and eight in the postseason. You've got McCarthy, who is ten and nine. I mean, they get to the postseason a lot, but it's almost a five hundred wash. Right. You know, you have a good year and you Reed wins. You put up a number and you lose in the. It's. I mean, regardless of the extra games, I mean, he's he's advancing. Yes. You know. Oh, absolutely. I'm well, just curious what, about Landry's opportunity. What did I tell you guys about Kansas City starting after they lost here in Nashville to the Titans and started figuring things out? They're my team to beat in the AFC until proven otherwise. They're that team now. Yeah, Someone's got to beat them. Uh, this is going to be three straights. I think they win. And this is going to be three straight Super Bowls for them. They are king dog in the AFC. And uh, that's not changing anytime soon unless uh, until Josh Allen possibly knocks him off. Here's the amazing stat from the last week with, with Kansas City and Buffalo that d- – that just blew my mind if you just watch the game compared to what the stats show you. Um, so th- in the playoffs, Kansas City is averaging seven and a half yards per play. That's more than two yards better than Cincinnati. Cincinnati's known for that explosion. They've played some tight games against Vegas and against Tennessee. KC, though, has that same pop. But the thing about Mahomes last week, Mahomes did not have a pass that went more than 20 yards in the air. That's for the first time in a playoff win. They weren't pushing the ball down the field. It was short and go. And a lot of yak on yes, some of the big plays. Yes. And and so for all the I mean, and the game was phenomenal, but it wasn't like he has these forty yard bombs. In your mind, you're thinking, if you go back and replay the game, I'm I'm basing off, okay, Allen did this, Mahomes did that, and you know, the big play by Hill. He didn't have a, a air yards, he didn't have anything over twenty. So and they, they just saw, you've got KC who just saw the Titans sack Burrow nine times. You've got Mahomes who's only been sacked five times in the postseason so far. It's crazy. Paul, I've got your Tom Landry yeah, playoff thanks. stats for you. Thanks for being uh, quick on that. Uh, 1970 to 77, there were eight playoff teams. So Hutton was right, four in each conference, three division winners, one wild card. From 78 to 89, they went to 10 playoff teams. So added a wild card um, in each conference, and that's the so that's that the Landry era. There's one bye, I presume, in five and five. Two wild cards played each other in the newly created wild card round. This is from '78 to '89. It winner advancing to the divisional round. Um, yeah, no, so, so buys. Yeah, a bunch of buys. Here's here's where the game lies for Cincy, and it's in their run game, um, explosive offense. They beat KC without much of a run game from Joe Mixon. They've got to have that this week. I think that's the key. Mixon's got to be a part of some of these long, sustained drives. And they, they beat KC in week 17 by having drives, touchdown drives of nine plays, nine plays, 11 plays. Um, they had one of two plays in, in what was um, Jamar Chase's best game of the season with 266 receiving yards and four touchdowns, three touchdowns, something like that. But the... Mixon's got to be more involved because in the postseason, you've got KC who's rushed for 144 yards a game. 
and Cincinnati's averaging 74. And the explosive offense hasn't been there nearly as much in the postseason for Cincy. They have eight plays of 20 yards or more in the postseason. Compare that to Kansas City, who has 20 plays of 20 yards or more through two games. That's a massive difference. And I think Cincy has to slow the pace even more than what they tried to do in a victory back in week 17. They've got a tackle. They've got a tackle. Too, the, yeah. the thing, I mean, we saw and we were talking about the downside of that fantastic game being the lack of defense, the lack of angles. You know, these catches are going to be made, but you can't let these guys run wild after they get the ball. So it probably speaks to just how things change in the NFL from, from week to week and game to game, even against the same two t- with the same two teams. But isn't it surprising how little we spend talking about a previous matchup when getting ready for a playoff game matchup? I mean, the fact that you brought up the stats of what Cincy did to Kansas City offensively, I don't feel like that's a huge factor in discussing what's going to happen the next time when these two teams play in the playoffs. I buy more into it because we saw we saw these games literally three and four weeks ago. Yes, but even with that, if that's the case, San Francisco should be favored. Cincinnati could be a pick 'em or should be favored. I, I'm I'm just saying I don't feel like it's the nature of the league. Also, okay, well, was favored in the previous matchup too. That teams are so good at changing direction and game planning differently that oftentimes what happened in the first game plays no factor in what happens in the next game. Well, had the Titans beaten Cincinnati, they'd be a dog to either Buffalo or KC so here, too. and they beat both of them. Yep. And that would have been considered uh, pretty irrelevant. Buffalo was a, was a pick game at the end of that game. It was a goal line stand. But Kansas City, they blew out. What was it, 27-3, 24-3? Yes, and 20, that, 27 that, to that would have factored very little, I think, into what people thought would would have thought was going to happen this Sunday afternoon in the Kansas City Tennessee rematch in an AFC Championship game in Nashville. So I, I think you're right, Chad, in that compared to previous times in in our football lives, the 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 previous game doesn't have a lot of bearing on what people think is going to happen in the next game. As a data point, so to speak. I mean, it's going to be brought up a lot during the broadcast of these games. They're going to go back to notes and watching the film from that first game. But it's not not made into as big of a deal, I feel like, in the the NFL as opposed to other sports where you're going to go back and show all the highlights of that first game and – because the playoffs are just so well, different. But look, the Rams... It's just so separate from everything Everybody's else. presuming the Rams win this game. Off a six-game losing streak. Yes. And that's part of my point. <laughs> we're not talking... As, uh, I don't think we're talking enough about them blowing a 17-0 lead. Hutton brought up the facts, uh, the stats on pass rush and how they affected the Rams in that game with San Francisco. But it's just something to keep in mind if these games go a different way than most of us expect. And me included. Yeah, I think it's going to be Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl, but Recent play if it goes a different direction... Says advantage San Francisco and Cincinnati. Remember this conversation right now, and let's see if it's anything similar to the first matchup I know in the second go-around. We'll make picks about these games later, but who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for Cincinnati. I'm rooting for the Rams. I'm rooting for Cincinnati and the Rams. Well, it, Chad, I always like it'll be different than the regular season matchup because it absolutely has to be for Cincinnati. That's my point. Cincinnati can't repeat what they've done. They have to grind it out with Mixon a lot more 
because of the playoff style that the Chiefs play with. Um, they, they've, they have to slow the pace down even more. Like the two-play the two play drive, they're down 14 points, and they have a two-play drive for 75 yards with Jamar Chase taking it to the house. Kansas City gets it right back and goes down and gets another touchdown. You're down 14 again. And then, then Cincinnati played their game plan, which was a nine-play, 80-yard drive to go get points, and it practically ended the half. They've got to have a bunch of those drives. They, they have to minimize possessions. I get what you're they, saying. They can't, I, get, I, they can't have a make-it-take-it game. I get what you're saying, and I agree with it. But if there are opportunities that – you know what I'm saying? If you've got a wide-open Jamar Chase at certain points, you're going to have to hit him and take, take yeah. a quick oh, you're touchdown. Give him the you can't pass on a, yeah. a, a two-play, 80-yard touchdown drive. But their plan has to – I mean, they Burrow threw for 450 yards – Chase had 266, and they only won by a field goal. You have to slow it down. You must. Or it's going to be a, a tight game at the very end, and who has the ball last can win. I mean, that, that's the other scenario for Cincinnati if they repeat what they did. Yeah. Best case scenario is you have the ball last. Because if you don't, you're losing. Well, Ask you might Buffalo. take that. You might take that and hope to have the ball last. I mean, you, can't, you can only – all I'm saying is you can only dictate the shape so much. Um, so you can go in with the best of intentions, but it might not. The game might not let you do and, it. And the other thing that's hard to repeat is what the aggressive style that Zach Taylor had on fourth down and actually converting those plays again. Like it, there's a there's a lot that went into the the way they won in situational football that is hard to repeat. On fourth down, goal line, getting a penalty and deciding to kick the field goal after you get the penalty. For yeah, a defensive they got, holding. they got very lucky. There's two penalties down there, right, which helped them eat the clock, which was the key. And then, and then on the flip side, L.A., they gave up. They were up 17-0 over San Francisco in Week 18. They're up 24 points last week. They gave up that lead, too. And Stafford stepped up and made a throw. No lead is safe if the Rams are in the lead. Remember that. Coming up, Armando Salguero joins us. We continue to break down the AFC and NFC championship games. We'll get into that, plus new hires across the NFL on OutKick 360. Shout out to everyone with Sports Radio 104.7 in the Upper Cumberland. Say hello to Fox Sports Shoals. Fox Sports uh, Shoals there in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Florence, Alabama. Huntsville. Good afternoon to you. Somo Sports Radio in Missouri. I was, uh, I was on a trip last week, yeah. headed out of town, went east, and got to listen uh, with our friends on Sports Radio 104.7 uh, in Cookville, loud and clear. You guys sounded great on, uh, on Friday, and uh, it was very cool to get a chance to, uh, I to felt, listen I felt your listen presence. on the, uh, the old school yes. radio to one presence. of our affiliates. He, he felt your presence, but he didn't mention it. <laughs> the, the, audio, <laughs> the audio quality was terrific. I must uh, commend David Reed and everyone behind that because it sounded, it sounded great. Also terrific, Armando Salguero of Outkick.com joins us weekly. Armando, hope you're doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm very excited. Great weekend of football last weekend. Great weekend of football coming up this weekend. Let's start with L.A. and San Francisco. The 49ers come in. They've been in playoff mode now for what feels like two months. You've got the Rams who seem to be the hottest team right now with the way they're playing, although in Week 18 they gave up a 17-point uh, lead 
to the 49ers. 49ers came back and won in overtime. Last week, they went on a game-winning field goal after giving up a 24-point lead. What do you make of the Rams, and is any lead safe with L.A.? Yeah, so, Jonathan, the Rams are, uh, you know, they got a daddy, and his name is San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> so they, the 49ers have beaten the Rams six times in a row, including a sweep this year. And so while everyone is thinking the Rams are obviously the team to beat in the NFC right now and they're playing at home and they've got a shot to play the Super Bowl at home, um, I'm guessing the 49ers have a different opinion of all of that. And the reason for that is that they believe themselves the tougher team. And that's hard to say against a team like Aaron that has an Aaron Donald on it. Uh, some of those offensive linemen on the Rams are really tough guys, but the 49ers just think that they're just, they're like the Rex Ryan moment on, on hard knocks. We're, we're tougher than you. We're better than you. That's what they think they are with the Rams. Gut feeling right now. Do you think it matters win or loss about Jimmy Garoppolo's future in San Francisco? If he takes them to a Super Bowl versus doesn't, are they done with him either way? Yeah, so the 49ers are hoping that Jimmy Garoppolo balls out so that they get more in trade for him because they are definitely moving on to Trey Lance next year. That's That's been the plan. The plan has not changed. I don't believe the plan will change even if Jimmy Garoppolo – Go ahead. Honestly, you know, even if Jimmy Garoppolo leads them in the next couple of weeks, the fact of the matter is he hasn't led them uh, all season. He's been part of it, obviously, but that team is not in the NFC championship game because of Jimmy Garoppolo. And so they're going to make a decision on the greater picture of Jimmy Garoppolo, not what he does this week or if he gets to the Super Bowl these next two weeks. Imagine the odds in Vegas preseason for a quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl and be traded in the offseason. <laughs> be some- yeah, pretty crazy. It's nuts. I don't know how you move on from him uh, if, you, if you've been there with him twice in three years. I, I, I know what you're saying, though. They drafted Lance for a reason. It was because they didn't be- believe in Garoppolo. What's your... Uh- well- God. Just a quick thing. How do you move on from him? Watch him play. <laughs> I mean, uh, they 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 didn't score an offensive touchdown last week. Can we agree on that? I mean, that's not up for debate. So they won because of their special teams. That Garoppolo, he hands off really well. If they win two more, he's going to have done something for them to lift a Lombardi to. trophy, yeah. though. Um, McVay versus Shanahan, two of the bright young minds in the game. Um, one of them's winning the NFC this weekend. Compare, compare, and contrast, if if you will. Well, they're they're very close friends. They were, you know, am I allowed to say Redskins on this show? You just did. You, yeah. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. They were on the Washington Redskins coaching staff back when that that team's nickname was Redskins. And 
you look at some of those coaches on that staff. Uh, yeah, that, that good staff, a lot of bright young minds, a lot of bright young offensive minds, obviously the idea that they are the same guy, they don't run the same offense. They don't run anywhere close to the same offense, but I think that while I would say that McVeigh gets a whole lot more uh, credit for being the young genius type, I think that if you ask McVeigh, I think he would admit to you that a lot of the things that Kyle Shanahan does, he, he really admires. And I think they have great respect for each other. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that McVay is a better offensive coach than Shanahan at all. Really interesting head-to-head matchup there between those two coaches because you and Paul both are a part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection uh, and, and, uh, and selectors. And I'm not saying that either are bona fide Hall of Famers right now, but I'm, I'm thinking in that mindset because you've got Shanahan who can go to his second in three years and – win one. He's up 20 to 10 as the head coach in the Super Bowl against Kansas City a couple years back. And you've got McVay, who was there three years ago with a chance to go to another one. And as you put those little notches on the resume, those things add up. One guy's getting another one, and one guy's still searching for his second. That's fair. Uh, Now, look at the four coaches in, in the tournament this weekend. I think that there's one guy out of all those four who's going to be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Um, and his name is not McVeigh. <laughs> his name is not Shanahan. And Zach Taylor's not it either. So who does that leave? I wonder. Andy Reid. Let's get to that game now because, you know, the, the Chiefs, there was a time this season where – there were doubters, and really for good reason in that moment. It, it looked like it just wasn't working and wasn't going to work for whatever reason. They figured it out, play a classic a week ago, and now here comes Joe Burrow with all the swagger and all the confidence in the world going to Arrowhead, but yet, Armando, it still feels like this is the Chiefs' conference. And you mentioned Andy Reid and all that he's done and everything else. What do you think about Cincinnati's chances to go into Arrowhead and, and continue this? Right. Well, I, I think they have a good chance. I, I don't doubt that they are going to compete. They beat the Chiefs, you know. They Joe Burrow had a day. I think he went for like 434 yards. Jamar Chase had a day. I think he went for like 266 yards and three touchdown catches. So they are able – they are, I believe – able to to stay um, with the Chiefs if you're comparing offensive talent. Unfortunately for the Bengals, their offense doesn't battle the Chiefs' offense. It's their defense that battles the Chiefs' offense. And I, you know, I, I just, I think I trust the Chiefs' defense better than I trust the Bengals' defense. And I know the Bengals' defense is very well coached. Lou Anarumo does a great job with them. I know that they're an emerging unit. But let's face it, the Bengals are a building uh, in process, in progress. Um, 
and the process is not over yet. And the defense and the offensive line is the next thing. I think that if you watched them play against the Titans, you saw that the offensive line need help. Uh, I think they they clearly need help on defense as well. And I think you'll see that on Sunday against the Chiefs. The biggest change with the Chiefs defense, um, they're, they're not as aggressive as what we would have seen the Chiefs defense be at the turnaround point of the regular season. They're not blitzing nearly as much as what they were doing towards November, December of the regular season. And I wonder how much of that approach goes into this week where if they take away Joe Mixon and they don't allow the Bengals to run clock and control possessions, that feeds into what they want to do offensively. I I don't think Cincinnati Cincinnati can go on the road and win without Mixon having a really big day. He didn't know back in week 17. The difference, though, I think, is that clock management. They've got to get a couple extra first downs. They're averaging 75 yards a game in the postseason, Cincinnati is. I think they need to be uh, over 100 to get a couple extra first downs and run some more clock and keep Mahomes on the sideline. Fair. Uh, And that, you know, that is, I'm sure, the desire of, of many defensive coordinators and many offensive coordinators to try to help to play complementary football, Jonathan. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, if, if Cincinnati is handing the ball to Joe Mixon, they're doing like the second best thing or third best thing <laughs> to T. Higgins, who also is a thousand yard receiver. And then, of course, you mentioned it, Joe Mixon. It's smart. I just don't know that teams, you know, at this stage, do you do the smart thing, um, the logical thing, but also the thing that goes away from what you are and who you are fundamentally? So that's, it's easy to say, but I think it's a hard argument to make inside the Bengals building. Yeah, I agree. But but they've been both versions this regular season. They started out by, I would describe them as going through the run game while Burrow and Chase built that rapport, and then that switch flipped, right? Uh, and speaking of Burrow, is he about to be the next, and, and not, in, not on the field, but in the public eye and the advertising realm, is he next year's Baker Mayfield? Is he about to take over our TV screen? How many insurance commercials is he getting? <laughs> Out of all I of hope this. he's not the next Baker Mayfield because, my God, how'd that work out? Um, it worked out well for his bank account for Baker Mayfield with all the advertising yeah, money he's, he's bringing that's, in. That's fine. Uh, I, I'm not a progressive guy. What can I? I don't care how many commercials <laughs> of Baker Mayfield. I'll never get a progressive insurance policy. Forgive me if I if think it, I think he's the guy now. I think he's the next big billboard guy. Well, he might be, but Josh Allen should get some attention too. He might not be as marketable. His game is as marketable. Well, you know, there's, I think we talked about it and touched on it last week a little bit. And, and, and my regret from last week's show is that I wasn't more clear and wasn't more because I didn't want to be harsh because I know where some of your rooting interests lie. Uh, the AFC has 
four guys, four great quarterbacks, I think. And they're all under 26 years old. And that's, you know, you mentioned Joe Burrow is one. Patrick Mahomes is the other. Josh Allen is the other. And then Justin Herbert is the other who plays in California, which kind of makes some promotional sense. Los Angeles, if you really want to go there. Um, I should have made the point that Ryan Tannehill really wasn't one of those guys. And I that's my big problem with my performance on this show last week. <laughs> this is good. We're going to we're going to start including the last couple of minutes you'll you'll uh, you, critique you, your last uh, week's performance. Every weekly guest needs to bring in the last week's regret on the show. Something I, I, they wanted to say the and they same. couldn't quite get to it. We'll do the same. We'll I do yesterday's regret. That was terrible. <laughs> my my regret about last week was everything I said about the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it, was, it came down it was, to. It was a long week for the Titans. Hey, what um, what's going on in Miami? I, I I saw your tweet about why don't they just go ahead and hire Doug Peterson and, and get it over with at this point? Uh, we're seeing coaching vacancies being filled now. What's the latest with the Dolphins and what they're doing? Yeah, and uh, go, going off uh, on a Doug Peterson tangent for a second before I answer. Please do. Why is hired somewhere? I mean, what is the, this is a guy that won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl. He's not 70 years old. He's not 60 years old. Uh, He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. Uh, So he put a very good staff together. I don't get it. I don't understand. But to to answer your question about Miami, so Brian Dayball is probably the the leader. I wouldn't say the leader in the clubhouse. The leading candidate now, they're going to have second interviews next week. And the other two guys that they're going to give second interviews to are Mike McDaniels from the San Francisco 49ers, who's their offensive coordinator but doesn't call their plays. He was also on that Washington Redskins team, by the way. Uh, And then Kellen Moore, who doesn't know what to do with 14 seconds. Um, Either one of those two guys that I just mentioned, McDaniels or Kellen Moore, gets hired by the Miami Dolphins. They are officially the Miami Dolphins' next ex future head coach uh, because they will not succeed in Miami. They don't have the experience. They have no idea how terrible it could be in Miami uh, with certain people around. So that's all I got to say about that. Armando Salguero, our guest, as we talk playoffs on Outkick 360 and coaching moves over the past week, Nathaniel Hackett to Denver. Are you buying the rumor mill? that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are a package deal and they're going to follow Nathaniel Hackett to Denver. <laughs> so <laughs> what? who's running the Green Bay Packers that would agree to that? I mean, when we, when we make these Madden football trades in our minds, we, we sometimes forget that a team that is actually in the NFL – would have to agree to trade their elite Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback, their elite wide receiver, 
to, to uh, while having already lost uh, a very good coach to the Denver Broncos, agreeing to that in a way that the Denver Broncos could afford it. Why? What? What is the? What, what is the? The return. Well, for the Packers. Well, so the, so the theory is Devontae Adams is a free agent, so he just won't sign, and he's disgruntled. And then Rodgers put it in his deal last year that if he wants out, they'll trade him. So I'm I'm that that's the idea anyway. In, in return, Denver would trade one of their receivers back to Green Bay. Got it. So, uh, Devontae, you're a free agent. We have this thing called a franchise tag. Don't sign if you don't want. Sit out, my friend. Goodbye. The, he is not a free agent. They have a franchise tag, and they can use it. And so, you know, do what you need to do, Devontae. Enjoy your summer in the Bahamas. And your winter in the Bahamas, too. But, but not that easy because they're, they have the second-worst cap situation. If you franchise tag, that money's on next year's cap. You can't prorate it down with an extension. So they would have to do a lot more maneuvering in a rebuild year with a wide receiver that's a vet who's not going to help you in a rebuild year with a new quarterback. Projected $18.5 million wide receiver. Tag. So that's, that, that takes that off the books for me. I think it they'd find a way to do it. It doesn't for me. The salary cap can be managed. Uh, I, I know that, the, I mean, the New Orleans Saints are like $77 million over the cap effectively for 2022. I guarantee you they will be under the cap on the first day of the league year. I guarantee you. And I guarantee you that every other team will be under the cap Regardless of how badly it looks for them now, the cap can be managed. And I know what you're saying about uh, the Green Bay Packers cap situation, Jonathan, but it's as simple as this. Do you manage the cap or do you manage the wins and losses? If the Green Bay Packers are going to be cap managers, yes, what you said makes sense. Let's get rid of our great quarterback. Let's get rid of our great wide receiver and let's suck. Great. How many teams really want to make that decision? I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm talking myself into this because Paul and I have a $100 bet going that uh, Brady, ah. that Brady and Rodgers won't be back with their teams. One I, have, of them won't be I back. have them both back where they are. Yeah. Can I get in on that? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you too. I'm that confident I'm more likely in it. with Paul. You're, well, You're with that's me? Fine. That's fine. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll have uh I'll have David Reed uh you know, cut you a check out of uh you know the the per diem that we the get outcome, to drive yeah. in each day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks. Right, and then and then uh, whenever you visit with us live at the Super Bowl, you can pay me the money whenever Rogers has already announced that he's out. <laughs> okay. That's a that I I'm right. That works for me because. You know, <laughs> Uh, I need a lollipop. So I can... <laughs> That'll pay for an Uber Sucker. out there. That'll pay for an yes. Uber out there. Yep. Hey, Armando, always great catching up with you, man. Enjoy the football weekend. Uh, loving the coverage at Outkick. Thanks. Thank you, gentlemen. Armando Salguero, one of the best. It brings the energy with us. Great perspective there. So many other headlines that uh, he's writing about, that he's reporting on. Outkick.com is where you can find all of it. 
uh, and his thoughts on the coaching movement and much, much more. Coming up, more headlines, including coaching moves across the NFL. Yeah, and the newest thing now, we talked about Josh McDaniel's name not surfacing much. It's now surfacing as a candidate in Las Vegas. We mentioned that yesterday. The Vegas Raiders and that privately behind the scenes, he was putting the staff together. And if not now, when? We discuss that next on OutKick 360. Brian Flores has completed his interview with the New York Giants the day after ownership came out and said they're not going to trade for Deshaun Watson. OutKick 360 rolls on. So Flores continues to interview. Miami has yet to hire. Matt Eberflus is the new head coach with the Chicago Bears. Um, And keep in mind there that their new general manager is recently of the Kansas City Chiefs and was with the Green Bay Packers for a long time in their scouting department, uh, played on the offensive line for the Bears. All all interesting tie-ins, but it was Bill Polian who was running that entire search, and they had interviewed Eberflus prior to their hiring of general manager Ryan Poles. So uh, a bit of an arranged situation, but they definitely met with the second interview candidates with Poles in mind prior to making the move. It's interesting... With Eberflus, who's the defensive coordinator uh, for the Indianapolis Colts and has been in multiple spots, including Dallas, as a linebacker's coach, he's now the head coach of Justin Fields. And there's no doubt in interview during the interview process, he laid out his staff. And I'm intrigued to know who that offensive coordinator is going to be. Speaking is- of... Go Isn't ahead. that the biggest job there yes. with, with Justin Fields? That's I mean, the problem I, with going with the defensive coach because if a guy comes in and does well with Justin Fields in a year or two, he's a hot head coach This is the problem process. with the tired old bounce back. We just fired an offensive coach, so we got to go get a defensive coach. Just fired a defensive coach, got to go get an we'll, offensive we'll coach. We'll find out. I, I, I'm not go, saying that yet. I want to know who his offensive coordinator is. I, I agree, I but and he may be great, but don't do the, the standard Obviously. bounce back. Go with the best possible coach. And if that coach is some college guy who you think would work best with Justin Fields, go hire him. I don't know who their offensive guy was other than when they talked with, was it Hackett or Leftwich that the Bears talked with? Hackett. Um, I don't think Leftwich has officially spoken with anyone but Jacksonville. I think he got the one job that was interested in him from the beginning. No, there was one other one where he, he interviewed that was completed, and he was going, he was on his way to New Orleans. Yeah. The chat with the Saints. Um, the enemy's name, just nowhere. Is McDaniels yeah. headed to Vegas? We, we mentioned yesterday the rumors were behind the scenes he's putting a staff together and that the general manager candidate from New England was in the mix. And then yesterday, he sounded like they were going to continue interviewing, but now they've gone back to Ziggler and all this. And, uh, and officially, or it's out, that they're talking to McDaniels. So... The Ziggler McDaniel's pairing that it seems like is seeming like it's package deal uh, would in, in fact be in Vegas. That rumor's coming more to fruition in terms of official conversations. Um, it's weird that you know, like all this time has passed and is is he doesn't get even an official interview until January twenty seventh. Just like I wonder, I want to know like the. The, the machinations that go on that it doesn't happen. Well, he turned then. down even to accept a call from Jacksonville. The yeah. guy well, has been extremely that. selective on what he does. Uh, but So he doesn't want Shad Khan, but Mark Davis looks good. I mean, I understand canceling yes. out Jacksonville, but... 
Vastly different situations right there. And he's bringing the GM with him. He didn't want to work with Balky. Left was sitting either. Left was sitting either. Yeah. Four headlines next, and I'll kick 360.